You're listening to Friendlier, the podcast for friends who love to talk, read, and eat. I'm Sarah. And I'm Abby. Today, we're going to do our review of 2018 book style. But first, let's catch up on life lately. Sarah, what is new with you? I wanted to give a recap of our cold weather camping adventure. Last time I gave a little preview that <laughs> it looked like it was going to be very chilly. That turned out to be an accurate forecast. <laughs> we woke up the morning we were supposed to leave and saw that the first snow of the season had happened. Surprise! Just a light <laughs> dusting. HP made a snowball and it did not melt our entire weekend. So he made it and wanted to bring it on the bike and it was still there when we came back home. Okay. The daytime portion of the camping experience was wonderful. The kids were so excited, and Neil and I just decided, you know what, we're going to do it. And I'm really glad we did because they had so much fun outside. I was worried about them being cold during the day, and it was no problem. They had a great time at the fire, doing s'mores, eating our dinner. The part that was not so much fun <laughs> was sleeping. Oh. We did not have sleeping bags rated low enough Our sleeping bags were to 20 degrees Fahrenheit, Mm. which I do think it was colder than that at night, or at least feels like colder than that. Mm -hmm. I also think that 20 might have been an overstatement of the sleeping bag's capabilities (laughs) because we were very cold in there to the point where I thought my feet might never warm up. And Neil and I were both staying awake, just moving our feet to keep the circulation going. (laughs) (laughs) At one point, HP woke up and he was cold. So he got in the sleeping bag with Neil, and then I got his sleeping bag. So I had that one on the lower half of my body, (laughs) and then my other one. And after that, I was great. (laughs) Double sleeping bags, no problem. My feet warmed up, and I went to sleep fine. Neil was not so lucky. His feet stayed cold the whole time. Neither of us slept really at all. We were most worried about E, and she was fine. She didn't wake up at all, all night. She was just cozy over there, (laughs) sleeping away. And then the next morning, we packed up our stuff. Neil and I thought, this was a great trip. We're ready to get home. Take some warm showers. Unpack. Feel our feet again. Yes, exactly. And the kids both looked at us quizzically like, why are you packing up the tents? Aren't we staying another night? (laughs) (laughs) Which was a good sign that they had a great camping experience and made me glad that we went ahead with it. But I will not be camping again without better sleeping bags. Lesson learned. Indeed. What is new with you? I saw Hamilton. What? I'm very jealous. Tell me more. Well, it was in Durham. I had wanted to get tickets and there was this whole system of needing to sign up by email in advance to be able to get in there and buy tickets. Mm -hmm. I actually did get a code to go in during that time, but it was like the second half of that time. And so there was basically nothing available that was less than like $400, which Mm -hmm. I asked Andrew and he said, do you ever want anything else again? And I said, yes. (laughs) (laughs) So I didn't end up getting tickets then. And then there is a Hamilton lottery that you can enter every day through the Hamilton app. So I was entering that and I never won that. And then I got this email last week that said, congratulations, raffle winner. Hmm. And I said, raffle? I don't remember entering a raffle. But it turns out sometime in that pre-Hamilton time, Uh I had paid for a raffle ticket for the North Carolina Center on Actual Innocence, this nonprofit that was having a Hamilton raffle, Mm -hmm. and I won the tickets. (laughs) What a happy surprise. 
Yes, I don't think I've ever won a raffle before and what a raffle to win. So I went with a friend on Sunday night and it ended up being the closing night of the Durham show. Mm -hmm. So there weren't any like understudies or anything. It was the traveling cast as it is. It was totally incredible. I feel really thankful that I won. Yeah, I cannot wait till I get to see it at who knows what point, but it will happen sometime in my lifetime. For sure. Now let's talk about what we've been reading. Sarah, what's your latest read? I finished There, There by Tommy Orange. He is an enrolled member of the Cheyenne and Arapaho tribes, but was born and raised in Oakland, California. And so it's a novel that's set in Oakland, and it follows the intersecting lives of the characters, and they're all part of the urban Native community there in Oakland. I do not always love when books change the narrator from chapter to chapter, because it takes a little while for me to get into the new story. Mm -hmm. But his writing was so good that I felt connected to each new person within just a few sentences. Wow. Because it wasn't just between one or two characters. I think there were 10 or 12. So it takes a while till you come back to the first one that you meet, that more than half of the book, you're meeting someone new every time. Hmm. But the way that it was set up... You find out in the first chapter that there's going to be this big event at the Oakland Pow Wow. And then as you go through, you're learning more about how that got set into motion and why Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. how all the characters are connected to one another and are going to be part of what unfolds at the Pow Wow. Okay. It made it feel like a page turner and in some ways read like crime fiction where you're getting more and more pieces of the puzzle as you go through and really wanting to gather up those pieces Mm -hmm. because often this kind of literary fiction can feel a little slower and more academic. And this book did not have that feel at all. Hmm. I was not completely satisfied with the ending. It felt abrupt and overdramatic. And I had a lot of unanswered questions when Mm. I finished the book. Yeah. But I was so invested in the story at that point that I was willing to go along for the ride and just let it be what it was, Mm -hmm. even if I was a little hesitant to get on board at first. (laughs) I would recommend it. I thought it was great writing, gripping storytelling, and it gave me an insight into the urban Native experience, which, to be honest, is not something I knew much about before picking up this book. Yeah. When we hear about Indigenous people, it's usually set in the past, Mm -hmm. not contemporary, and presented as this historical perspective, or is focused on the experience of Indigenous people on reservations. And this book showed this whole other side that I think, as a culture, we've been ignoring. What have you been reading? I just finished Time's Convert by Deborah Harkness. So this book picks up where the All Souls trilogy, which are the witch vampire books that I talked about earlier in the year, left off. Okay. This has been a long anticipated sequel for people who read those books earlier than I did and were waiting for more. Mm -hmm. As before, I liked the characters and I really liked the historical parts of the book, Mm -hmm. but I didn't love this book overall. Mm. It frustrated me how it jumped back and forth from present day to Revolutionary War era. Did the jumping back and forth bother you in the previous books or was that specific to the way this one was done? There was less of it in the previous book. So those three books are each told in different eras, but by book. Okay. And then there's some sort of beginning of the book there in present day and then they travel through time and then they're in Elizabethan England the whole time Mm. and then they come back at the end and then it's present again so there was less back and forth that makes sense 
the other part of that that was hard was that this book was following some more tertiary characters, so they're not really the focus of the trilogy. It's this other story, and the characters from the trilogy come into it still, so you get an update on them. But I found myself wanting to hear more about the main characters again, because those were the ones that I loved from before. Right. I was sort of like, why do we care about this story? Why is it even being told? This was maybe not the book for me. (laughs) And I'm glad I read it, but I'm also glad I didn't purchase it, Mm. that I waited for it from the library. Mm -hmm. So I would recommend this book if you are a super fan of the All Souls trilogy, but really not in any other case. Noted. For today, we're going to talk about reading some more. Yay. We'll start our discussion by giving an overview of our year. How did you feel about reading in general this year, Sarah? I felt great about it. I was able to consistently read, but it felt like it fit into my life in a balanced way. I read more this year than I have probably since I was a kid going through Babysitter Club books (laughs) by the dozen. So that felt good as well. It was also a great year for me for reading. I would say my best year for reading in a while, both in terms of quantity and quality. Mm. I talked about last year when we did this episode that I didn't feel like I had any books that I loved. Mm -hmm. I definitely had ones that I will continue to think about and maybe come back to in years to come. That's a good way to feel. So we've talked about quantity some, but let's get into that a little more. Did you get to read as much as you wanted and did you face challenges in your reading life? As I said, I have read more than in previous years, which surprised me a little bit because my evening reading time seems to be shrinking with each passing year. (laughs) As your kids stay up later. Yes, and I do not stay up later. So (laughs) the time where they are asleep and I am awake is very limited. The flip side of that is that my kids are becoming much more self-sufficient and are getting better at entertaining themselves, which has opened up more time in the mornings and during the day. When I was looking back over the whole year's worth of reading, I mm-hmm. saw that in September I only read three books mm. compared to other months where I would read eight to ten. And I was trying to pinpoint exactly why that was. And at first I thought it was because one of the books I disliked the most this year <laughs> I read right at the beginning of September. Uh-huh. And I thought maybe I had felt so annoyed by that reading experience that I had opted to just watch TV <laughs> for a while instead. That would be valid. Yes, exactly. But upon further reflection, I think what actually happened is September is the month when I started following a lot of anti-racism and body positive accounts on Instagram. Mm. And I was spending a lot of time that I used to spend reading going through those accounts and reading comments and following links and thinking a lot about that, which I consider to be time well spent and one of the positive outcomes of being on social media. Absolutely. I think I'm one to focus on the negatives of that. And as I was going through that experience, I was thinking, I'm so glad this is available for me to learn in this incredibly accessible way. Yeah. Even though it led to less reading in September, I think down the line, it pointed me towards more books and gave me a lot of recommendation for books in a genre that was new to me. Nice. Tell me more about your reading experience this last year. I got to read as much as I wanted, which was great. Nice. I felt like I had a really good mix of audiobooks, hard copy books, and my loner Kindle from a friend, which I've talked about before, which was new for me this year. And I wasn't sure that I would go there or like it, but it's been awesome. I also am proud of myself this year. 
for figuring out how to manage my ebooks and audiobook holds better. So mm. I didn't have as many book avalanches. Mm-hmm. For those of you who use Overdrive, there is this great feature about suspending your hold mm-hmm. that you can do for as short as a week or as long as six months, and you can adjust it at any time. So what happens is you stay on the list, but you just keep getting closer to the top. And then if you're still on hold, you can take your hold off and then you're first in line. So whenever it comes available, you can have it. And I did a lot of that this year. And you can do that with hard copy books too at the library. Most libraries have a suspend feature for your holds, regardless of whether they're an ebook or not. Yeah. So that helped me read more to have more of a steady stream of two reads trickling in. Mm -hmm. Because my main reason for slumps is that I feel completely overwhelmed Mm -hmm. by the books to Mm -hmm. read. And so then I end up social mediaing or watching TV rather than reading if I'm faced with a huge stack that feels insurmountable. Another thing that really helped me avoid slumps this year was discovering romance novels, which are light and quick enough and low enough commitment Mm -hmm. that they keep me reading and help me sort of get over a hump of I can't handle heavy fiction or I can't handle nonfiction right now. I just need to read something to give my mind a little break, but then I'm still reading rather than doing some other more mindless type thing. Yes. Okay, Sarah, were you surprised by anything in your reading life this year? There were a couple of series that I thought I would really love, but did not. Mm. The first one was the Cinder series, which I'm pretty sure I talked about on the podcast. Right. I felt like I should like it. I like young adult novels. I like fantasy fiction. Uh huh. I like when there's an element of royalty within that and kingdoms. Same. So all of that seemed right up my alley, but I did not love it. And with each successive one, I liked it less. And they got longer each book. So I'm not exactly sure why I finished the fourth novel that was 800 pages. (laughs) And I was just waiting to get through it so I could read something else. Lesson learned because a few months later, I started the Darker Shade of Magic trilogy by V.E. Schwab. Mm. I'd seen this one on Instagram. It also seemed right up my alley. Lots of people rave about it. I read the first one and it was fine, but I felt like I was reading it because I thought I should like it, not because (laughs) I did. And then I got the second book. Neil was also reading the series. He went through the second and third book and I started the second one and I was maybe 20 pages in and I just thought, I don't love this. I'm going to stop. That's great. See our previous episode on quitting things. Yes, I'm still learning. I'm still working on that, on building that muscle. I think part of it is that I worry that maybe I would like it if I kept going, especially if it's one I've heard a lot about. And then I get to the point in the book where, well, now I'm so committed that it feels like reading time wasted, like I'm throwing away all the effort. The sunk cost fallacy. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But I do not plan on picking it back up. I have other books I'm more interested in reading. But both of those seemed like slam dunks to me and really weren't. So maybe that's a genre I think I like more than I actually do. Yeah. Or maybe those just didn't land for me. It's hard to say. The other genre I was drawn to, which isn't the norm for me, was romance. I think I figured out the perfect amount of it to have in my life this Mm -hmm. year, that I really enjoy reading them in the summer. And as you're saying, I like having some to read when I do just want something light. But I found that I can't read them very close together because they're so (laughs) formulaic and I get bored and annoyed. So I read a couple this summer that were great and then I got a lot more at the library and there were a few that I picked up and I just got a chapter in and thought, I can't do this right now. (laughs) 
But I know that in a few months, it would feel much better and just the right thing. I think I'm getting a little bit better about figuring out what I'm in the mood for and seeking that out Mm. as opposed to letting my reading list be dictated by what I have or what I think I should read next. Yeah. Related to romance, though, I am so excited for the new podcast, Hot and Bothered, Yes, by Vanessa Ziltan and Ariana Nettleman, who are two of the three creators of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. It's going to be awesome. It is. They have a trailer out now. It's about how romance is going to help save the world. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just really looking forward to seeing what they come up with and looking at romance in a new way. Yeah. What surprises did you have this year? So as I've already mentioned, it was a great year for romance. It was my first time this year ever reading a romance novel. Mm. I am surprised how much I really love them. (laughs) I think I said this too, but I was so pleasantly surprised in the beginning of the year by how many books I read that I absolutely loved. Mm. And I think I went back and looked at Goodreads and I had something like four or five star books in a row that were all Mm -hmm. adult fiction. And that is just a great reading experience that I think set the tone for me for the rest of the year. And it's fallen off some since then. But 2018 will go down for me as a great reading year because of those really wonderful fiction books that I read. Mm -hmm. I was surprised that I did not like Time's Convert that I just talked about. And I was also surprised that I didn't love The Heart's Invisible Furies because that was a book that you really liked. Tell me more about why you didn't love it. So I read it. You had recommended it and saw so many people that I respect. Fellow readers on Goodreads give it five stars. I don't know if it was because I read it in my early pregnancy when I wasn't feeling super well and I was feeling really hormonal. Mm -hmm. But the beginning of it, which is quite violent and intense, Mm -hmm. and then sort of the neglectful parenting through sort of the middle section as he's growing up, I just didn't love it. And even though the book Mm -hmm. has a really beautiful ending and I think great themes and messages throughout, it just wasn't a home run for me. I was surprised and also a little disappointed by that. Now that I think about it and hear you say that, that's not surprising for me because it's exactly the kind of novel I love, which Mm -hmm. is this really honest but sad and dark look at the human experience and really doesn't turn away from the tragedy and the trauma of it Mm -hmm. in a way that I find strangely uplifting. (laughs) But I have come to learn that you don't necessarily... Similar to A Little Life by Hana Yanagihara, yeah. it works for me, but I can definitely see how it doesn't for a lot of people. Yeah. So we've talked a little about Goodreads already. We both do Goodreads challenges. Tell me a little bit about yours this year. Did you meet your challenge goal and do you plan to do one next year? I picked a goal of 84 books which felt like a stretch goal to me. It comes out to seven books a month, but I'm on track to read right around 100 this year. That's awesome. Thanks. I am planning to do another one, but I might pick the same number, even though I read a lot more than that this year. Mm -hmm. Part of that is that I don't set the challenge to push myself. I really just want it to be aligned with my reading life so that I can be keeping track and is something I can measure against to see if I'm reading consistently. Yeah. But it's not something where I think... I somehow need to be reading more this year and want to use it to push me toward that goal because I don't think it would be effective in that way. (laughs) What about for you? I met my goal. I picked 52 books, so one a week. As of today, I've read 55. Yay! Thank you. With 56 and 57 in the works Mm -hmm. currently. So I will beat 
the goal for sure. And I feel like you, I'm not reading to my goal. Right. I'm not pushing myself with my goal. I just like having a record of it. Exactly. I like seeing myself making progress toward it. Yeah. But it would be so sad if I set it so high that I was seeing myself not making progress toward it. Yes, that's <laughs> definitely true. So I like it to be very realistic. I'm with you. And that's one reason why I think I'll rein in the goal for next year, given the impending big change of adding another person <laughs> to our family. Yes. So that I can feel satisfied when we record this episode. Next time. (laughs) Good planning ahead. Okay, let's talk specifics. What were your top reads this year? Fiction first. I would put The Heart's Invisible Furies up there by John Boyne and An American Marriage by Tiari Jones and also A Gentleman in Moscow by Amor Towels. And I'm not sure if I ever talked about that one on the podcast, but it felt similar to The Heart's Invisible Furies in terms of a slower pace following one person's life across decades. So for fans of The Heart's Invisible Furies, I highly recommend that one. So maybe not that one for me. No, you would not like it. (laughs) (laughs) What were your favorite fiction reads? My top two fiction reads this year were Eleanor Oliphant is Completely Fine by Gail Honeyman, which I discussed on the pod. And that one's up there for me, too. Truly loved it. May reread it at some point. My other top fiction pick this year is This Is How It Always Is by Lori Frankel, which I also discussed on the pod. Mm -hmm. May also reread at some point. I mean, those two books were my favorite this year, but they're some of my favorites over my adult reading life. Wow. And This Is How It Always Is. I liked, but I don't know that I'd come back to it. It didn't do it for me in the way it did for you. So interesting. Yeah. Okay. So how about nonfiction for you? My two top were Happy City by Charles Montgomery and Evicted by Matthew Desmond. What about for you? My top nonfiction pick was Like a Mother by Angela Garbus. How about books that were some of your most enjoyable reads this year? Mine would be the Gamash books. Oh, yeah. For sure. Clearly. Can't wait to read the next one. I know. I'm on the list. I am too, and I'm very high up. I'm crossing my fingers. I will get it before Christmas. Yay! I also read the Crazy Rich Asian series Mm. and loved it. Very soap opera-y, but just fun. And I felt like I was reading it with a smile on my face the whole time. For YA Most Enjoyable, I would put From Twinkle with Love, which has both the things I love about YA and romance. It was just such a sweet book and made me feel good about the world. What were your most enjoyable reads? Mine were both romance novels. The first was Kiss Quotient by Helen Huang, which we talked about Mm, on the pod. So good. And the second was Hamilton's Battalion, Mm -hmm. this set of three romance novellas that I also discussed. But that was also very enjoyable. Our final category is memoir. What were your favorite memoirs this year, Sarah? I read a lot of memoirs, and I liked a lot of them. So I might include a more comprehensive list in the show notes. Nice. But my top three were Educated by Tara Westover, I'm Still Here by Austin Channing Brown, and When They Call You a Terrorist by Patrice Kahn Colors. What were your favorite memoirs this year? Both of these I talked about on the pod. The first is We're Going to Need More Wine by Gabrielle Union. Mm-hmm. And Everything Happens for a Reason and Other Lies I've Loved by Kate Bowler. I loved that one too. Would recommend both of those to most people. Agreed. All right, let's look toward the next year. What are you excited about reading in 2019? I don't know if I have any specific books besides The New Gamash, which I'm hoping to finish this year. <laughs> But I'm just feeling in a good spot reading-wise, that I'm in a good rhythm, that I have 
the time and space to read as much as I want to, where I don't know that I would have said that a few years ago, that I would have wished for much more time. Mm, Nice. I'm really enjoying being part of my book clubs and just feeling a great groove of consistently having books that I really want to read, which has made it much more likely that I'll choose reading over some other activity to relax or veg out. One thing I am hoping to do early in the year is rereading Harry Potter. Oh. Because I've just been feeling in the mood, and it sounds very comforting to me to do that this winter. Yes, seems like a very cozy reading pursuit for the early new year. Yes. What about for you? So as discussed, clearly looking forward to the new Gamash book. I also have some parenting books that I'm excited about. Siblings Without Rivalry, which is by the How to Talk So Kids Will Listen people. Yes. And Simplicity Parenting, which you have mentioned and which I have on Kindle just waiting for me. I also would really love to read some amazing fiction like I did this year, but I don't have anything really lined up. So listeners, send me your suggestions, especially if you loved the books I loved for fiction this year, and you know ones that are similar. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Send those my way. Are you on hold for the new Barbara Kingsolver book? Yes, I'm on hold for that one. That's a good one, too. And that's one that's coming up for my in-person book club, which Mm -hmm. also I should give a shout out to my book clubs like you did. It is so nice to read in the communities that I'm reading in these days, which honestly, listeners, includes all of you as well. Agreed. The main challenge, as discussed, is that I am not sure how reading will look after I have a three-year-old and a newborn. (laughs) Right. We'll just see about that. The good thing is that I feel like I have a lot of options between Kindle and audiobook Mm -hmm. and hard copy, and I feel like I am semi-good at managing all of those now. Like, I kind of figured that Mm -hmm. out this year, so hopefully things can sort of chug along even in the midst of big family changes at our house. Well, that's the end of our reading discussion for 2018. Listeners, we would love to hear from you about your top books especially if you have suggestions for us and how reading looks in your life and how you're fitting it all in. Let's finish up by talking about what we've been eating. I have been eating shepherd's pie with leftover Thanksgiving mashed potatoes. I think I've only ever had shepherd's pie once in my life when someone made it for me after one of my kids was born. Mm, This would be a good postpartum meal. Yeah. I need to remember that. Is it something you grew up eating? I would say we ate it fairly often growing up, but I have never made it before as an adult. Mm, Okay. I was actually reminded of it by a friend and listener who I was texting with talking about how we were using up our Thanksgiving leftovers. Nice. She suggested her family's tradition, which was to make the meat with green olives and lots of cumin. I didn't do the green olives because I'm not a huge fan and I didn't have them, but added the cumin to this recipe that I found online. And it came out totally amazing. Highly recommend. We'll link to the recipe in the show notes. It was a hit with everyone in my family from the toddler to my spouse. Sounds like a winner and like a great winter meal. Yes. I'm always looking for more of those. Very hearty and delish. Sarah, what have you been eating? I have a sad story to tell, which is (laughs) that E wanted to make cookies, and I said, sure, great, let's make cookies together. We made all of the dough. I did two example cookie dough balls on the sheet, and then she was up on a chair, and she was going to make the rest of them in a similar size. Mm -hmm. She saw a little bit of dough on the edge of the bowl and said, can I scrape that in? And I said, yes. And I turn around and she takes the big wooden spoon and scrapes it in and also knocks the bowl off the counter. No. 
It's a glass bowl. Mm. It mm. breaks. So it turns upside down and shatters. Glass and all of the cookie dough. We just have to throw it all in the trash. That is a tragic story, Sarah. It is. Many tears ensued. Luckily, we still had the two that I had made. So we each got to eat one of those. Okay. <laughs> and then I thought, it's fine. That was a waste of a lot of ingredients and sad, but we'll just make more. Well, then we only have three quarters of a cup of flour. So we can't make more because we don't have enough stuff for it. That's only half the flour you need. Exactly. So that was incredibly disappointing. We pulled ourselves together and moved on. (laughs) But then that evening, I was still really wanting a baked good. I kept thinking about how I wish I had those cookies that we were supposed to have baked. (laughs) So I start Googling recipes. And I decided that I wanted to do brownies because those usually require less flour, especially when you're trying to make them really fudgy. Mm. So I found a brownie recipe that I'll link to in the show notes that I followed. And it was good, but I'm still in search of that perfect brownie recipe the way that we found this perfect cookie recipe. Same. I am in search of that as well. Listeners, we need your help on this. (laughs) My family will consider this blasphemous because they love our family's homemade brownie recipe. Mm. But for me, that one is a little bit too cakey. And I'm looking for the perfect fudgy brownie. And I love the Winning Hearts and Minds chocolate cake, which only has mm. a tablespoon of flour and is just really fudgy and delicious. But I want something a little more brownie-like than that. So somewhere between this recipe I made and that chocolate cake recipe would be ideal. I need some gooiness, but I still need it to be more brownie. With like the kind of slightly crunchy top, but fudgy in the middle. Mm-hmm, exactly. And the edges that have that crunch. I love the edge pieces of brownies. Yes, the corners are my favorite. So I need to do more experimentation and I need advice if anybody has a recipe that I should test in my own kitchen. That's all for this episode of Friendlier. It's been great talking with you, Abby, and with all of you listeners. If you'd like to join the conversation or offer suggestions for future topics, you can find us online at friendlierpodcast.com, on Instagram at friendlierpodcast, or you can email us friendlierpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, may your books be engaging, your food delicious, and your conversations friendly. Our website, mm -mm. (laughs) where's the rest of that sentence? (laughs) It's gone. Can I look up some of these authors really quick? Yeah, I just had to do that for. I knew I, when I typed it in, that I didn't do it. I was like, I'll come back to it. False information. (laughs) A year's so long. When I went back and looked at Goodreads, I was like, I read that this year? Yeah. Like some of them felt like they were from a long time ago. Hold, please. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to say that line without laughing or do you want to leave it's it in? It's fine. Laughing? Just leave it in. <laughs>